Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist. This is your host, Ukti Vora. The quote I just mentioned was said by Steve Jobs and I have a guest for today who really defines what a leader is. Mr. Raghu Gulapali is the Chief Product Officer for the pipeline of product and solutions being created at the LV Prasad Eye Institute, Center for Innovation. He also actively mentors the founder of startups being incubated at the LV Prasad Eye Institute and evangelizes the product they create. Prior to joining LV Prasad Eye Institute, Mr. Raghu was a venture capitalist, making investments rooted in deep science such as healthcare, life sciences, artificial intelligence, ectech, robotics, and the tactile internet. Before his career in venture capital, he worked in product development with Apple, Adidas, and DARPA. I'm really excited to have such an amazing leader and a visionary to be part of this podcast. A warm welcome, Mr. Raghu. It's a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Oh, thank you. And uh, please just call me Raghu. Thank you. All right. Wonderful. So, Raghu, just to, I'm sure I have just given a blurb of your achievements and your journey so far, but I would like to learn a little more in depth if you could share your journey in eye care, specifically, if you would like to talk a little more on that. Uh, Yeah. So, um, my journey in eye care started over a decade ago, actually. So, about in 2007, 2008, when the world financial crisis was happening, I was working with the Institute for Eye Research uh, which was a uh, subsidiary of the Brian Holden Vision Institute. And we were mm-hmm. developing solutions in terms of new, new age interactor lenses or extreme depth of focus lenses and things of that nature. And um, beyond that, um, and like I made more recently, I was doing a lot of a uh, product uh, advisor uh, as more of a product advisory role with LV Prasad Institute. Um, right around, two, I started doing that around 2014, 15. And, mm-hmm. um, when uh, my wife and I were planning on moving overseas, uh, Dr. Rao, who's the chairman of the Lee Prasad Institute, and his uh, vice chairman, Mr. Ram Matmukuri, uh, convinced me and my wife to perhaps move to Hyderabad and uh, to take on the role of uh, head of product for the group. Wonderful. So I do know, many of us do know about the Innovation Center, but how did it all begin? If you could just share a little more on the history behind it and what was the trigger that, you know, led to this Innovation Center? Um, I would say the big thing for us was the, um, so LV Prasad Institute has been doing research for uh, since pretty much since inception at uh, 32 years right. ago. And um, about fi- we spent about, about generally about, just a little under 15% of annual revenues on research. And uh, mm-hmm. I think about a decade ago, Dr. Rao, our chairman said, okay, you know what? Research is all well and good, but we should go take it to the full circle and do research and development. And uh, many academic research centers like LV Prasad Institute only do the research, but they don't actually do the translational element. And right. uh, uh, at that point in time, that's when the translation some became more and more important to us. So, um, mm-hmm. And then in 2012, 13, uh, uh, Dr. Ramesh Raskar, a professor at the MIT Media Lab, was mm-hmm. uh, was in conversations with Dr. Virendra Sangwan, one of our eminent ophthalmologists at the time. And uh, in the conversation they had, they said, you know, why is there great uh, innovations or hackathons or things of that nature emerging from the Indian la- uh, landscape, especially in organizations like LVP? 
And out right. of that, they basically in 2013, we hosted the first engineering AI hackathon. And mm-hmm. out of that immense, tremendous response, uh, Dr. what Dr. Rao saw and other people saw within the organization, they said, okay, maybe this is something worth investing in as a long-term solution. And uh, we were very fortunate that one of our trustees uh, uh, decided to back it. And he decided to do it as an anonymous donation. He did not want his name on the, uh, on the, uh, on the innovation center per se, which is a tremendous um, yeah. uh, gesture on his part. And uh, fast forward now, we have 135 products which have been developed in our network, in our system, and uh, and have been evangelized and shared within our network and around the world. That's wonderful. I do know some of your products which are amazing, and we're going to get into that a little later. But to talk about the hackathon, I think that's really interesting. Uh, just to dig in a little more, has that been only for engineers, or do you have any hackathons for optometrists or ophthalmologists as well? So that's that's actually a very important thing to say. So the engineering AI hackathon and this and the series around it are for uh, we have ones for designers, we have some for uh, uh, optical engineers, optometrists, etc. Even the engineering AI, the core hackathon is actually not only for engineers. The idea is to have, work in a multidisciplinary team to create solutions which deliver impact. The thing is, many of the engineering many of the engineering students who participate in the hackathons do not have the domain expertise to actually create anything particularly impactful in such a short period of time. But pairing them with an optometrist or ophthalmologist and other kind of other kind of uh, uh, specialists in that regard allows for that uh, rapid advancement of the projects um, within the uh, within during the course of the five day hackathon. Wonderful, and. When is it usually, uh, is it like a fixed time in the year when you have the hackathon, if you like to, you know, share it on this podcast for all the listeners? Um, yes, we, we've had it for eight years now running. Um, we've had it, last year was our, we we didn't really have the hackathon per se. We had a design workshop, design thinking workshop which during the during the Hyderabad Design Week. Um, generally speaking, what we do is um, we invite students and and actually young employees at, uh, across the landscape of the Indian uh, uh, ecosystem, as well as worldwide for that matter, to participate. Right. And we share the problem statements a couple of weeks in advance so people can kind of think on what they're what they're trying to solve for. And then they're afterwards mm-hmm. at the hackathon itself, we introduce them to the ophthalmologist or the uh, optometrist or vision scientist who provided the problem statements and for them to delve into and really ask deeper questions about what right. the pain points those clinicians were f- uh, facing. I think hackathon, I actually had just uh, been part of one of the hackathon for COVID, uh, which was held by MIT. And I think being part of hackathon, even as a learning experience for all optometrists, uh, ophthalmologists, or any listeners for this podcast, I think it's a wonderful experience. Do look out for this and do participate. Thank you so much for sharing and initiating this. I would like to really thank LV Prasad uh, for you know instilling this kind of uh, project. Now, I do understand that this innovation and putting the idea into real practice takes a lot of uh, background work behind it. But if you had to uh, highlight major hurdles or limitations when it came to, you know, putting these ideas into reality, when you started this innovation and during your journey of leadership, can you share a little more on that? Well, I think a lot of it is understanding um, user behavior. I think... um, I think at the very core of product development is really understanding the pain points for the users. 
The unfortunate reality is that many times in the med tech ecosystem and in terms of startups as well as many of the founders fall in love with their solution and then try to seek a problem to basically match it with. And we try to take a completely opposite approach where we try to find a problem to find fall in love with. And then we say, okay, what are the solutions or possible alternative, uh, uh, the creations, uh, something we can create which can solve this problem and this uh, solve for this pain point. And that is the an exercise in, uh, in practice, which is very hard to uh, manage because unfortunate reality is many people in the education system, whether it be in the United States or in India, are not necessarily taught to think that way is where right. in terms of thinking of from a problems first perspective rather than a solution first perspective. And um, so in many ways, we have to kind of retrain or recalibrate a lot of our uh, engineers and developers minds to think about it from that perspective. Think about the problem, ask the people who are seeking the uh, solutions for exactly what the pain points are. Are these needs versus wants? Are they real problems or are they just something with a desire, which is a simple tweak on existing solutions? Um, Because the thing is, what we really don't want to do is be a copycat organization and things of that nature. We'd like to work in white spaces, work on things which very few other people or literally nobody else is working on. And that's where Mm -hmm. we feel like we can add the most value. If we're simply doing copycats, there is no uh, accretive value for the larger ecosystem in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. So this led to me uh, asking you another question. Do you have some training modules or workshops to, you know, change this mentality for people to think of, you know, instead of looking solution first, look at the problem and, you know, then come to the solution. Do LB Prasad or have some workshop training for this kind of thinking? Yes, actually. So um, as I mentioned, uh, actually, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. So we have several, we have a lot of training modules or education as a big component of our organization, the, our parent organization, LB Prasad Institute. Mm-hmm. And we take some of those training modules and apply it and provide that information to a lot of our engineers as well. So all of our engineers and developers have to go through a vision technician training course mm-hmm. so that they are quite well versed or reasonably well versed with ophthalmology terms and terminology so that when they converse with optometrists, ophthalmologists, vision scientists, etc., that they're conversant in their ontology so okay. that it's well understood and that they, there's nothing lost in translation. And that's one part of it. Absolutely. And and then beyond that is what we've done is, for example, with these new systems like artificial intelligence and things of that nature is, is it's all about data. It's all about labeling data and things of that nature and understanding how data, good data is created. And many right. all, of our, all of our optometrists and ophthalmologists who work directly with the Innovation Center are actively encouraged to go through understanding how AI for product management or product development works. And in terms of actually labeling, labeling data, putting data in an appropriate fashion, which is good data from the get-go. And these are things which allow for now a cohesive unit to be created where both the developers and the engineers and the uh, cl- uh, clinical um, experts are aligned in their thinking in the sense that they both feel like they've contributed uh, to the process rather than it be something where the doctors or clinicians are providing what we call in Hindi gyan or knowledge without any kind of extra value beyond that. I think this overlap and collaboration of understanding each other's language really makes the entire process much more uh, meaningful because even the from a doctor perspective, whether it's an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, it's important what can be done because sometimes 
it you might not have the vision of what are the possibilities with technology so if you are trained or if you have a little more idea of how it works you can definitely create more value to the process now i also know talking about the highlight of the current situation covid 19 i do know a lot has been done at lv prasad institute by you know providing uh, protective gears and things how do you see apart from uh, you know things changing in the future how do you feel the eye care practice overall is going to be affected now that things are gradually getting better in few areas versus other so i think one of the inter- interesting elements which you're seeing is an acceleration of certain trends like telemedicine or teleophthalmology specifically in this case so right. when when you are trying to bring about a new product or new solution into an ecos- into a market one of the big challenges is bring about a behavioral change and addressing the inhibitors for that behavioral change to happen right obviously with the covid pandemic which we're now facing some of those inhibitors have been tempered right in many ways is like uh, so more governments are more open hence there uh, then uh, the regulations or regulatory requirements have been lessened etc so the path to acceleration or path to pushing these products or solutions into the markets is is faster as well as the amount of uh, pushback from the existing clinicians versus the system towards these systems is also minimized as well because they're like okay they need they feel the need to embrace them otherwise their practices and their patients will suffer absolutely so, so I, mean, i think that's the that's the opportunity And additionally what we're looking at is this really trying to look at it from a first principles perspective. So the idea of first principles is how do we break down things to its constituent layers. So we look at the entire patient journey which exists mm-hmm. in a normal ophthalmology practice or optom- optometry practice and try to understand where technology or innovative solutions can find a role or fill a gap in a home care environment. And now For example, uh cataract surgery is the most commonly done surgery in the world. And the unfortunate reality is post surgical right. interventions or post surgical adherence in uh, uh, care is very very challenging in at this time. So what we try to do is address that by creating solutions mm-hmm. which allow or using existing solutions we have for alternative problems and applying them in these use cases. So one mm-hmm. of the big pro- problems for people who have cataract uh, uh surgery is just having the refractive error measured to see whether the intractor lens has been set right or not. Right. And uh one of the existing solutions that LVP has had for several years now is something called the folding for optor. Right. which is a device for allows us to quantify the uh refractive error of patients. Now we're able to use this as a binary mechanism to see whether the patient's vision is improving or not over on a on a week to week basis so that if they feel there's any error or any issues they might have they can address that through a telemedicine consult they can show the progression or and they're like and, and, and the doctors feel like when they have relevant information they're able to give constructive feedback to the patient absolutely now talking about uh, the innovations and uh, things that you have developed at the innovation center one you just mentioned about the folding for opter but i do know you have a lot in the bag if you could just highlight couple of uh, products that have been you know top of the list which has really helped not just now but is going to be the future if you would like to talk a little more on those things so um as i mentioned earlier ukti i think one of the things which we really focused on on is creating a holistic vision for a um, view of healthcare as a whole mm-hmm. and looking at that entire patient journey as well as the clinician experience so um off the top of my head what we've created is a that holistic view so the holistic package starts with what we call our system of intelligence bifrost 
So uh, those of you who are Marvel comic fans might be familiar with uh, the Bifrost, which is a bridge between uh, Earth and the heavens. In this case, Bif- Bifrost is a, a bridge mechanism which connects uh, EMR systems like our iSmart EMR, LV Prasad Institute, or any other EMR like NextGen or Epic, etc., with the diagnostic device in question. So the diagnostic device will essentially push raw data down into the Bifrost layer where it is will be formatted and distilled into structured uh, into a structured format to be used at a later date so that it'll be provide true predictive value. Additionally, um, this Bifrost layer also basically interacts with various software systems so that if say a developer like say you want to develop a solution or say visual acuity or yeah. uh, attention or things of that nature, areas of interest for many optometrists, now they can create this app on sitting on top of the Bifrost layer. So the Bifrost layer is not just the system of intelligence, it's also a system of engagement, which allows for the rapid development and rapid prototyping of solutions in ophthalmology. And this allows, and on top, and for layman's terms, Bifrost in many ways is our Google Cloud. So uh, just like a Google Cloud, you have Google Maps, you have Gmail, you have a variety of applications resting on top of that layer. Similarly, in this case, on, on top of Bifrost, we have a various mm-hmm. numerous number of applications which we have created or partners have created, which rest on top of Bifrost. I do know that one of, uh, Ohm is one of the thing which kind of works on Bifrost, if, correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct, yes. That has been awarded as well at, as an innovation. Yes, yes. I mean, like, we're very, very happy, uh, pleased with the results. Uh, um, NASCOM, which is a local uh, um, uh large technology alliance here in India of the major technology companies awarded uh, the uh, uh, Tech for Good for Healthcare award to the, uh, to the OM project. Okay. So OM is, stands for Order of Magnitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a solution which our uh, team uh, led by Jui Basker, one of our product engineers developed. And what it does is basically it quantifies the visual field of patients, mm-hmm. as well as quantifies any other um, anterior image uh, problem, anterior problems of the eye. Um, so it's a dual purpose solution, which we hope will be have widespread, uh, widespread uh, positive results for our patients and our doctors. Absolutely. I actually had a glimpse of it and I, and it was amazing just to see the video, how it works. So for anyone who have, is not, have not checked it out, please go ahead and check out the own uh, product from LV Prasada Institute Innovation Center. Now, I do know that we're talking about, you know, the innovations things happening at LV Prasada Institute, but I do know many students or optometrists are still struggling on how they can contribute or help. And we did talk about this offline as well, that there is a gap or limitation how optometrists perceive on, you know, the contribution that they can do to this innovation. Can you, uh, you know, share a little more insights on how you see these optometrists can contribute for all these innovation? So I think LV Purcell Alliance Institute in many ways is a rather unique organization in the sense that we really value the input of optometrists in the entire clinical workflow um, uh, in a very significant fashion. Um, we have about 80 optometrists on, on our staff. In addition to that, we have another 15 vision scientists and a number of students who are pursuing their PhDs at our organization at the same time. Mm-hmm. And because of that value we, uh, we have, uh, which we feel for the optometry community, we think it is our belief and our contention that optometrists actually, in many of the other, many of the organizations across the world, 
uh, don't provide or do not uh, push for the optometrist to be ambitious enough. Right. For example, it is our contention for as as technology advances, optometrists will be doing do, doing a lot more of the work which traditional ophthalmologists currently conduct in their practices. Mm-hmm. So most of the outpatient procedures right now, uh, with the effects, uh, are not handled by optometrists in most practices. Where in terms of capturing refractive error, capturing visual acuity, uh, confrontational visual fields, um, slit lamp examination beyond a point. Uh, posterior, posterior image analysis, um, any of those elements, or always even OCTs, etc. Right. These are things which are considered the sole provenance of the ophthalmologist. But mm-hmm. the reality is, the ophthalmologist has a larger role to play, and his larger, his or her larger role is on doing on performing those higher level interventions for the patients, i.e., the uh, cataract, the surgeries, or the laser treatments, etc. Right. And given the uh, significant burden of disease we have in the world um, and uh, in, in, off, in eye care specifically, the role of the optometrist is going to get become more and more important. Now, right. these optometrists using these kind of semi-automated or automated systems will be providing more of the empathy, more of the skill, providing the direct relationships with the patient mm-hmm. more so than the ophthalmologist in, in time. Right. So, uh, for example, for all the talk about, say, posterior uh, uh, fundus artificial intelligence systems. Mm-hmm. The thing is, who will actually be deploying those or using those in the network or any kind of uh, healthcare ecosystem? It's very likely it'll be the optometrist actually doing that as well. Right. And I think that is something where optometrists can really say, hey, you know what? We're providing far greater value than just refractive error and visual acuity checks. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree that uh, optometrists as a community overall, we need to push and start looking at how can we contribute to be part of these important innovations and work on the diagnostic part? And even that would eventually help taking away a little burden from the ophthalmologist, what they have currently with the amount of widespread disease that you rightly mentioned. Okay, one thing I would like to mention is our uh, research organization um, is actually named after an optometrist and vision scientist, Dr. Brian Holden. Right. Um, just to put it in perspective is um, Dr. Holden was a prominent optometrist, but he considered himself a public health specialist first and foremost. Right. And that kind of thing, thinking is also very important for optometry in the sense that optometrists have are at frontline workers for public health. Right. And it's something which very few of them actually consider themselves as so. One of your former guests, Dr. Kovanaidu, right. is a public health specialist right. in many ways and an optometrist as well. Right. So I think these are the w- different ways which optometrists can look to and um, uh, expand their horizons as well. Absolutely. I, you know, it's about looking how you portray yourself, whether it could be brand holder, whether it's Kovanaido, whether it's any optometrist, if you take a lead and understand the kind of impact you can have in people's life, uh, you can definitely do much more than just a refraction or you know, being an assistant who is doing other primary tests. You definitely are the primary care practitioner. I think that's how an optometrist should look at uh, these things. Before we end this podcast, I would like to ask you a final takeaway message specifically, you know, based on your experience, if you, if you would like to share. Um, I think one of the things which I probably against to go back to in my original comments were really find a problem which is really significant and really fall in love with that problem. The thing is the solutions for that problem will evolve over time as technology evolves as, you know, 
uh, as different uh, things cre are created. But the thing is, the problem itself, unless you're creating a significant cure for disease or intervention at birth or things of that nature, right. I don't think that that problem will persist. So I think that is a, something which you can make your build your career around in many ways. And a lot of people, lot of people don't take that long view on it. Uh, the ophthalmologists, I, ironically, in our institute, have taken a long view on it and basically become super hyper-specialized. Uh, and they take a 10, 20, 50-year horizon on these, these various conditions. For many of your listeners, I would encourage them to take, take that mm -hmm. same view on it and simply say, okay, if, say the problem is ref um, something of refractive error or vision science, is it myopia? Is it dry eye disease? Is it any of these other conditions which are actually within the uh, significant wheelhouse of an optometrist or, uh, or vision scientist? Now, can you go deep in those subjects and create solutions accordingly? and try to identify partners who can advance your uh, your problem solving. Absolutely. I think looking at a problem, I think, is a fantastic takeaway. And I'm sure whoever is listening to this will start digging more into it and start, you know, broadening their perspective. Uh, thank you so much. I think this has been a wonderful uh, podcast and a session of learning how innovation, along with, eye, along with eye care specialists, can change the future moving forward. For all the listeners who have who have joined and listened to this podcast, please do subscribe so you do not miss out on any of the updates. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Raghu, for being part of this podcast. I really appreciate your insights. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a wonderful time.